to, well, that's interesting. The, ah, ah, I won't be hungry after listening to this edition. I'm very excited. (laughs) I'm always looking for new ways not to eat. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I will help you in establishing an unhealthy relationship with food. That's fine. That's that's totally fine. I'll contribute. Uh, Today is episode 115. When scientists ate 50,000 year old bison. Like jerky. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah, we're going to get into it. And how many humans do you need to feed a T-Rex? One. Just one. Dude. Just one. Fuck. Are you serious? <laughs> Just those little arms? They can't do anything to you. Okay, put a pin in that, okay? I want you to put a pin in your fucking answer. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe this. Anyway. <laughs> no, was I right? Son of a bitch. <laughs> Son of a fucking bitch. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm Jill Chacha, okay? And I don't want to... A longtime member of the flock and returning champion, D Chacha. Hi, thanks. For thanks me. for fucking ruining the show. I am so sorry. It really was a guess. <laughs> I thought about those little T Rex arms and I was like, I could take that. You could. You could. <laughs> well, I'm just in shock. Well, my friends, uh, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock. <laughs> D and all guests come in cold, learning everything in real time, just like you. So, so very cold. So, so very cold and alone. But um, yeah, D didn't know the, the topics, but you fucking nailed it because you're a member so of the flock. <laughs> She's fucking, we're going to get into it, though. There's way I'm more. I'm very proud of myself at that guess. <laughs> There's I way more to 100 it. on that test. Okay. <laughs> Today, my friends, is all about food, but of course, in the style of, well, that's interesting. For you see, in the first half of the show, we will cover a bizarre dinner party that took place during the equally bizarre 1980s, when a group of paleontologists and researchers and taxidermists gathered round to break bread over a very, very dead creature, and I'll have something of a recipe and an explanation as to why. So, after the break... Uh, I'm so excited about this after the break. A brand new segment of the show. I am just thrilled to introduce. It's a segment I'll whip out every now and then, so watch yourself. I'm calling this segment, Let's Read a Book, Motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Where, yes, we'll be reading from a book that will help us answer life's questions. And we'll be kicking off this segment from a series that's near and dear to my heart. And I hope you run out and get this book. Uh, This is not a commercial we are not sponsored. I just want you to be overly informed like I am. And uh, it's, I'm so excited about this segment. It's called, the book is called What If, Volume 2 by Randall Monroe. And my friends, if you don't know about this book, it provides very, very serious scientific answers to extremely absurd hypotheticals. Like, quote, if a T-Rex were released in New York City, how many humans per day would it need to consume to get its needed caloric intake? End quote. And that's, that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Someone figured it out. And it's on page uh, 37 of this book. And we're going to fucking read. We're they gonna... figured it out like I figured it out. They did. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure that's a question we've all thought about. And uh, today you can cross that mystery off your list. So the answer is fucking fascinating. Trust me. It's, it's just so great. But before we get into feeding humans to massive monsters, uh, we need to talk about humans eating old things. Mm. So, shall we begin? Yes. Okay. To do so, we need to head on back in time to a decade that beats the flamboyance of the 1980s. I'm talking about the 1970s. 
Nice. We're in 19- yeah, we're in 1979, <laughs> to be exact. And we're standing on the frozen permafrost of the Alaskan wilderness. Now, thankfully, we are not alone. We're also with a group of industrial gold miners who were using a hydraulic hose to melt the frozen land. And it was your typical horrible miner's workday until an incredible form appeared in the ice. They uncovered a bison's head. So Dee, do us the honors here. What did the miners do next? And what can we tell about the animal they found? From the University of Alaska Museum of the North website, and I quote, they immediately contacted the university where scientists were able to piece together the story of what happened to the bison thanks to the clues exposed along with the melting permafrost. Claw marks on the rear of the carcass and tooth punctures in the skin indicate that the bison was killed by an Ice Age American lion, mm-hmm. an ancestor of the lion called Panthera leothrox nailed it oh nice (laughs) the bison appears to have died during the fall or winter when it was relatively cold the carcass probably cooled rapidly and soon froze which made it difficult for scavengers to eat end quote there you go there you have it my friends a tale as old as time prey and predator and some shit getting stuck in the ice (laughs) now It being 1979, not much could be done to accurately determine the animal's age. Researchers would have to wait until that technology was developed. Thankfully, though, they didn't have to wait very long. Enter 1984. That's right, the roaring 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Now, using the best technology at that time, collagen was taken from the animal's well-preserved skin and dated to 36,000 years ago. Now, side note, however, it has since been tested again with 2014 technology, specifically with an accelerator mass spectrometer, or AKA a radiocarbon dating machine. And this thing of beauty uh, placed it at 50,000 years ago. Wow. Even fucking older. But at the time, 1984, the incredibly named paleontologist Dale Guthrie thought he had a 36,000-year-old carcass on his hands, and to preserve and present this incredible animal in the museum's Earth Sciences wing, well, it had to be taxidermied. So enter his friend, Eric Granqvist, chief head taxidermist for the Zoological Museum at the University of Helsinki, Finland, and an all-around genius. Um, Eric was tasked with turning this ancient extremely dead but remarkably well-preserved body into a display. Now Dee, I actually have a photo of that display which stands to this day at the University of Alaska Museum of the North. And uh, if you would, please take a gander at this photo, tell us what you see, and if also, if anything strikes you about its coloring. Okay, I'm excited. And uh, all photos we talk about today will be on our social media stuff, so please come on by and take a look at this beautiful, haunting, and oddly colored bison. Take a look. Okay. Oh, right? Yeah, it's in a display case, kind of tight. It's in there, it's in there good. (laughs) It's uh, like squatting and uh, it's gray. It's very gray Mm. and it's very leathery looking. Yes. Uh, And uh, its poor head is leaning on the display case and it's just, I mean, it's in beautiful condition, mm-hmm. and um, but uh, the coloring is definitely gray with some tan spots here and there. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it just fell asleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's in a sleeping position. And um, yeah, there's no mistake about it. This thing is a bison. And uh, it's, I I would go as far as to say it's gray, gray blue. Oh, yeah. 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 Kind of has a weird, odd bluish grayish tint to it. Now, this wasn't the work of our Finnish taxidermist. Uh, so D, uh, give us a clue here. According to the university's website, what did they name this bison and why the fuck is it this weird color? Okay, quote, the animal gets its name, Blue Babe, from the mineral vivinite that, formed... <laughs> <laughs> that formed on the skin when the body reacted with the minerals in the slit during its long burial. The nickname is also a tongue-in-cheek reference to Paul Bunyan's giant blue ox. I said the thing was squatting. That's not that's not a good description. <laughs> it is sleeping. It's not squatting. I apologize. It's taking a giant shit in this display. <laughs> it does I wish. You said you it know. better. It is kind of sleeping, not squatting, doing something annoying. It's just lying there. See, if I was this, if I was Eric, the Finnish taxidermist, I would have had it taking it, copping a copping a squat. Yeah, taking yeah. a dump. Yeah, <laughs> you'd never forget seeing the bison, blue babe. Yeah, they shit. they chose the elegant route of this. <laughs> <season. laughs> it's a good thing I'm not in charge. So, so there you have it, folks. Uh, a chemical reaction and a ridiculous American tale. Uh, brought us the blue babe now dale excuse me dale took one look at this blue colossal animal uh, its collagen the fat and the bone marrow all which had survived eons and he had one singular thought we need to eat some of this and celebrate eric's achievement that wouldn't be my first thought (laughs) leave it alone (laughs) yes it's been through so much so now here's the thing dale's thought it wasn't really that original let's call it for you see he had been inspired by previous dinners yes eating ancient thought out shit had been done before by who else but the russians (laughs) dale told atlas obscura quote all of us working on this thing had heard the tales of russians who excavated things like bison and mammoth in the far north that were frozen enough to eat so we decided you know what we can do we can make a meal using this bison (laughs) End quote. Naturally. Mm. Yes. <laughs> so now I know what you're thinking. What's the best part to use on a 50,000-year-old carcass? Well, I'm glad you asked. D, please tell us, as reported by Pamela Mija of Atlas Obscura, what part did Dale use and uh, how did it smell? <laughs> okay. <laughs> quote. Guthrie decided to host the special dinner when taxidermist Eric Granquist completed his work on Blue Babe and when the late Bjorn Curtin was in town to give a guest lecture. Making neck steak didn't sound like a very good idea, Guthrie recalls. But you know what we could do is put a lot of vegetables and spices to make a stew and it wouldn't be too bad. Mm-hmm. To make the stew for roughly eight people, Guthrie cut off a small part of the bison's neck where the meat had frozen while fresh. When it thawed, it gave off an unmistakable beef aroma, not unpleasantly mixed with the faint smell of the earth in which it was found with a touch of mushroom, end mm-hmm. quote. Whew. <laughs> yes, it's, that's a lot of 
beefy. It's a lot of um, visual smell. (laughs) It's a lot of visual smells. Exactly. Uh, So Dale then added garlic and onions, along with some carrots and potatoes to the broth, and even paired the meal with a wine. Delightful. Uh, He did not say which wine. Uh, However, we do know how it tasted. All right. Drum roll, please. (laughs) That's That's accurate. (laughs) As published in the History of Food Almanac, Dale said the meat was well-aged, but still a little tough, and gave the stew a strong Pleistocene aroma. However, nobody there would have dared miss the chance to try it. End quote. Now, if you're wondering what the fuck is a Pleistocene aroma, well, Dale was referring to the Pleistocene era, which took place two and a half million to 11,700 years ago, right when this bison was alive. So he was doing some kind of fucking paleontology wordplay bullshit. Mm. Yeah, so... <laughs> mm. So speaking of living... Uh, thankfully, all the people who ate this 50,000-year-old meat survived. And although uh, Dale said overall Blue Babe was delicious, he doesn't recall if anyone had a second helping. No. No. Come <laughs> on. So. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, my God. Not even to, like, rude people are like, no, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> yes, I'm good. I'm good. I wonder if they had dessert. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have been a good. Um, I wonder what goes good with fifty million year old bison. <laughs> <laughs> what goes good with bison? I don't know. Banana cake. pudding. <laughs> Get all is in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get all the really uncomfortable textures. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> something really tough and then something really mushy oh god okay after the break <laughs> time my friends how many humans do we need to satisfy the hunger of a t-rex well we're doing the math and it's so goddamn fun stay tuned yeah i'm jane perlez longtime foreign correspondent and former beijing bureau chief for the new york times i've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. Jill Chacha here from Well, That's Interesting, and I am absolutely thrilled to tell you 
about Spotify for podcasters. I use it, I love it, and it all started by downloading the free Spotify for Podcasters app, which has all the tools you need in one place to record and edit your masterpiece of a podcast. Spotify for Podcasters also distributes your show to all major platforms. So when you hit publish, your episodes will stream not only on Spotify, but I'm talking about the Apples, the Googles, Stitcher, Good Pods, the other ones. <laughs> you get the idea. And you can monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership required. You could also set up monthly subscriptions and record ads just like this one. So what are you waiting for? Download Spotify for Podcasters today and start changing the world. Oh, and please, stay interesting. We're back. We are so back. And we have the book, which contains extremely important answers. One that certainly brings me relief in these uncertain times. Step aside, Bible. I'm talking about What If, <laughs> Volume 2, by Randall Monroe. Now, if you're one of the lucky sons of bitches who owns a copy, then you know, on page 37, there is a great question posed. Quote, if a T-Rex is released in New York City, how many humans per day would it need to consume to get its needed caloric intake? All right, Dee, let's cut to the chase. How many? God damn it. Quote, about half of an adult or one 10-year-old. <laughs> Very specific. <laughs> yes, exactly. That is an extremely specific answer. And you're probably wondering how the hell Randall, a, formal, a former NASA roboticist, came to that conclusion. Well, first, we need to know how many calories it would need to begin with. Quote, Tyrannosaurus rex weighed about as much as an elephant. No one is totally sure what dinosaur metabolism looked like, but the best guesses for how much food a T-Rex ate seems to cluster around 40,000 calories a day. Now, if we assume dinos had metabolisms similar to today's mammals, they would need a lot more than 40,000 calories each day. But the current thinking is that while dinos were more active than modern snakes and lizards, very large dinosaurs probably had metabolisms that more closely resembled Komodo dragons than elephants and tigers, end quote. Mm. So in sum, 40,000 calories a day. And that seems like a good number, like a, like a bunch. And I know what you might be thinking now, is a 10-year-old child a collection of 40,000 calories? <laughs> is half an adult worth that much? And how the fuck do we even know? Well, somebody already did that questionable math. Quote, this number is helpfully provided by Dinosaur Comics author Ryan North, who produced a t-shirt with a human body nutrition label. According to Ryan's shirt, an 80 kilogram human, or somebody who weighs 167, 100, sorry, 176 pounds, <laughs> an 80 kilogram human, or a 176 pound person, contains about 110,000 calories. So a T-Rex would need to consume a human every two days or so. The city of New York had 115,000 births in 2018, which could support a population of about 350 T-Rexes. Nice. End quote. Yes. That is so funny. I love that. Can we get a T-Rex, Mom? <laughs> We're going to get into it because it's possible. Get this. Now, at this point, I bet you're thinking, all right. Uh, this is a little out there. Come on, feeding humans to a T-Rex? That's fucking ridiculous. There's got to be an alternate food source they can eat. Well, if you're not into the human 
being thing, well, I got you. And Randall got you too. He provided an option. So D, what's an alternative to human bodies? And is there one? Quote, the 39,000 McDonald's restaurants worldwide sell something like 18 billion hamburgers a year for an average of 1,250 burgers per restaurant per day. Mm -hmm. Those 1,250 burgers contain about 600,000 calories, which means that each T-Rex only needs about 80 hamburgers per day to survive. And one McDonald's could support more than a dozen T-Rexes on hamburgers alone. End quote. There you go. McDonald's. (laughs) There you have it, my friends. One McDonald's can support 12 T-Rexes daily, which seems, again, ridiculous. But once I heard the CIA is funding woolly mammoth cloning, it's a real thing. They've admitted they are trying to rebirth the woolly mammoth. I'm pretty sure the T-Rex isn't so far behind. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yes, another disaster from the CIA. Come on, so, science. <laughs> can, can, I, I, I absolutely believe the CIA could do it. They yeah, fucked so many if things. Anybody, if, if anybody could do it, the CIA can do it. <laughs> yes. So this is why we need to think about how to feed them. I mean, we could definitely have a Jurassic Park situation on our hands uh, after a pandemic. I can see it happening. I would prefer that. I would be fine with that. Yeah, I'd be fine. I feel like it's more tangible and like we can, we have nature, a goal. Take it back, nature. <laughs> I'll take oh, it all back. Just... <laughs> Eat McDonald's. <laughs> you're letting them win, I see. <laughs> yeah. Eat McDonald's. Eat a few humans here and there. Mm-hmm. We're like little nuggets. Yeah. Like <laughs> little chicken nuggets. <laughs> For the nuggets. Uh, well, Dave, this was a fucking delight. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me back. I enjoyed this very much. <laughs> and of course, thank you for listening, rating, subscribing, telling your friends how you only need one 10-year-old child to satisfy a T-Rex or a McDonald's restaurant. Take your pick, either or. Uh, tell them about that bizarre fucking dinner party in the 80s that somehow did not involve cocaine. Which The I'm roaring sure. 80s. The roaring 80s, baby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and please stay interesting absolutely